this week's guest on the show is Abby Rudson, who joins us from Toronto, Ontario. We talked with Abby about jumping back into work when the pandemic restrictions eased and how she now bartends at three different bars and restaurants. We discussed the exodus of long-term staff from the industry and if this has led to a decrease in the level of quality and service. Abby talks about the importance of food and drink in her life and how it led to her wanting a career in the industry. We discussed competition bartending and the pros and cons of this world. And we also covered drink garnishes and whether you really need them or not. It's another fun conversation that you're definitely going to enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast. I'm Kip Saunders. This is Dan Soretta. What's going on, man? Hey, man, not too much. Just uh, hanging out, being awesome as always. Yourself, everything's going with you? <laughs> things are good, yeah. yeah how's uh, business at the bars? Good weekend at one bar, shitty weekend at the other. But I, I, one of these days, it's going to be good at both. <laughs> <laughs> I am holding out. I believe it. Uh, that's true. It is Christmas season, so. Yeah. December is good for bars. Mm-hmm. January and February, on the other hand, with a new mutated virus. Woo, that's, that sounds like it's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, what are you going to do? Well, that's true. Uh, you, 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 know what, you know what you do? You get your realtor's license. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's what a, everyone else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I just heard the average price of a condo in Toronto is now seven hundred thousand dollars. Oh, no problem. Oh, sweet. That's Price pretty nice. That low, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're you're already hearing the voice of Abby Redson, who's going to be joining us in just a minute. She's our guest tonight, and uh, as always, she's going to be awesome. So yep. the, we'll bring her in a sec before we get there. We should get the housekeeping out of the way. If you like the show, and I don't know why you wouldn't, best thing you can do is subscribe, rate, review. Give us that five-star review. It's pretty easy. That's right. Yeah, it's and pretty easy. It doesn't take too much time. Actually. No, it doesn't. It takes a lot less longer, less time than it takes you to listen to these fucking podcasts. So <laughs> <laughs> think about it that way. Yeah, that's um, true. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, you should email us at info at the industry club or just DM us directly at the industry podcast on Instagram. Those are the ways to get on tell your tale we should mention at this point too that like basically that we're we're sort of expanding our notion of like what it means to be in the service industry as well industry adjacent is also working mm-hmm. like so if you perform in bars and you want to tell your story that way that we're into that as well in fact we have a burlesque performer coming up on the show not too long in the future so and i and tangentially i love burlesque her name is liz presley she goes by sassy ray and she performs at my bar all the time she's amazing so she's going to be coming on as a guest and we had shake steady not too long ago they're not technically in this industry but they play in bars so Mm -hmm. yeah shoot us a message and uh the other thing i was going to talk about I honestly can't remember if I did this last week, but talking about some of the other podcasts that we like to listen to, they're industry-related. Yeah, we did have a bunch listed two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Okay, well, then let's not fucking do that again. Two weeks ago. (laughs) If you haven't checked them out yet, then... Yeah, I'll put some links in the show notes. So anything we talk about, uh, as always, uh, just check the show notes and just scroll through to the bottom and you'll see everything. Dan, they're not even fucking subscribing or leaving reviews. I'm not going to check the show notes. (laughs) It's just not happening. (laughs) Uh, shout out as always to Zach Hanna from at Zach Hanna Design. And he, he has got a website as well now. That's right. ZachHanna.com or ZachHanna.co. It takes you to the same site. Okay, great. He's awesome. Check him out. If you need graphic work, graphic artworks done, he is amazing. He does a lot for my bars as well. Okay, enough about us. We actually have a guest. It's Abby Redson. How are you? Doing very well. How are you? We're doing all right, you yeah. know. Thanks, well, thanks for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having me. So you're coming to us from Toronto, correct? Yes. 
Yeah. And are you finding things are sort of slowly, slowly getting back to normal there? Not as slow as I thought. It was very like it was slow in the summer, like when things opened up and then all of a sudden it was like overnight that shit just kind of went back to nor- like normal, which was a little bit not off putting, but it was weird for me because I didn't do anything else <laughs> in the lockdown. I was just kind of waiting to get back behind the bar. And, and so going from sitting on my couch all day, every day, and then back into like the swing of things, how they were, was just a little bit of a shock to the system. My whole body, like for a week, was just aching and, you know, it was a little bit worrisome. But yeah, everything is pretty much back to normal, minus the masks, the vaccine passport. But for me, in terms of like making drinks and high volume, it's, it's all back. At what bar are you currently working at? I actually am at three places right now. So oh, one of those fucking overachievers. <laughs> I know. I don't. I like. It's so crazy. Pre pre pandemic, I worked at one spot Thursday to Saturday, and it was great. And now I'm just like, oh, let's work every day of the week because <laughs> why not? So my main spot is Mahjong Bar. It's at Dundas and Dover Court again in the West End of Toronto. And then I'm also at Juice at College in Ossington. And then Monday to Wednesday, I have just kind of like a day evening gig at the Dime, which is part of a furniture warehouse group. Just for something kind of earlier on the week, I found that it was harder to find a lucrative job for those days. So that was a good placeholder for that. So that's kind of crazy, though. Like cocktails, yeah. Yeah, like as you were mentioning earlier, like for a lot of us just lying on our couch for a long time during the lockdown and not really doing much and then just jumping right back into it, it's kind of hard on your body again. And it's like doing it for the first time. And you you not only did that, but decided to expand how many days a week you worked. So it sounds like you really thought seven. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, so. I mean, you got to do what you got. The other, I guess the other side of that is you weren't making any money for a long fucking time, right? So. Well, yeah. And then I was like, oh, I forgot what this feels like to not have to like compare the price of chickpeas at the grocery store. You know, that just was a luxury I kind of <laughs> forgot about for a while. So, you know, I, I, money is um, for me anyway, it's a bit addictive. And I also just going into the reopen of everything. I just, you know, wanted to like hustle. I, I wasn't saving money for a long time, which again is like an important thing for me to be doing. And then so I just like threw myself into it. But now that it's been a, a few months, I'm kind of like, what's the point? Like, not what's the point, but I just don't, you know, you kind of lost. Like, I didn't, I didn't even have a summer. It all of a sudden it's snowing. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I'm still, yeah. you know, cruising out in a t I had to like run in and get a jacket the other day. I just, time just kind of flew by super quick. So, you know, for now. I- I know. I think a lot of us felt that way, though, like when we finally got back to it, because you kind of you obviously miss it. You miss the money. You miss like the actual work. We I assume most of us still do it because we like it like and and then you kind of like throw yourself back into it. And you're exactly right. It's like all of a sudden, where did your time off go? Like, yeah. And you didn't you couldn't really do anything during the pandemic with your time off. So it's not like that was like a time to catch up on vacation time or no, like going to the laundromat was the most exciting thing in my week. And now I haven't even seen her in like three months. So it was just, <laughs> you know, luckily I did finally book a vacation for I'm going on Thursday, which is great. And then I think after that, I'll try and take it back. But again, it's hard. You know, we feel very lucky to have our jobs now. It's a right. deep appreciation for work. 
And I kind of have the mentality, you know, like I know I'm good at my job and I know I'm valuable, but I know that there's like, I know I'm very lucky to also be working as much as I am. So you kind of just feel then like strapped down when you're given that opportunity and you don't want to lose it. So it's just this weird mental game that I play. Yeah. And like, how are you finding it with uh, staffing in general at the places that you work? Because that's been a major issue in the industry since we all came back. Yeah. So staffing at the beginning was crazy. I, it was, you know, I'm still somewhat green. I've only been in the industry for like four years now. And I, it was like, I could work anywhere I want. Like if I wanted to work at, you know, the best bars, anyone was looking for people. So it was a pretty crazy time because like, as exciting as that was for someone like me, who's very dedicated to the industry, it's also equally concerning because you get an influx, you know, all of like the OGs, like, I don't want, like there's new proper bartenders as well, but like the veterans that kind of I admired and like really looked up to kind of fled a lot of them Mm -hmm. into other industries or outside of the city. And so then what happens is that we get this influx of newbies because people were so desperate that don't do things the same way or don't haven't put as much like work into it. So I do feel like it, it made room for quality to kind of go down at some, some points. And then, you know, as like a new young bartender and you get a taste of like getting paid after every shift and it's just all cash. That's very exciting. That was mm. to me anyway. But then those are also sometimes people that like are in it for, for the more of like the party and less of like the quality of proper bartending, which I already feel in, in Toronto or in Canada really is, is a lot harder to come by rather than a place like New York where, you know, bartending is such an admired like prestigious career path I find more so than it is here and so like with staffing back to your main question I think now the spots have been filled but at the beginning it was really crazy and now I'm just curious as like who is filling those spots and are are we as a city still like maintaining that kind of uprise of quality of cocktails that we were producing before so yeah I don't I don't know I mean I can only speak for the city that we live in but like I feel like almost all the really good quality staff either are not leaving the job that they're at already or they're just they left the business completely right so it's just a lot Mm -hmm. of training up very green people yeah so you know we'll we'll see i hope that you know we can in the new people that we find those with like the same if not more passion that i find that the, the veterans had who did uh, leave the industry and like maybe not even leave the industry maybe I know a couple of people that went into more corporate roles uh, for bigger picture kind of uh, like chain spots which is really cool and I'm happy for them but I hope that everyone still like appreciates and can contribute to like the art of proper cocktailing and yeah mm-hmm. right, look, come by. quick question with the newer people that are coming in industry are you finding them to be like uh, a different age set like are they younger than before mm-hmm. or is it just all over the place or I'm finding, yes, definitely younger. Like I, at one of the places I work now, someone said to me like, oh, we have like a really old crowd. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm 26. I'm usually like the baby <laughs> that everyone's just like, let me train you. Yeah. And then they were like, oh, well, like I'm 20. You're like already 26. And our, you know, our bar manager is 30. And I was Ooh. like, what? <laughs> like, that's insane. You know, my, uh, like, I just think that's so crazy that, 
you know, I, and like, that's just at one spot. I have another place where my bar manager's 21 and I'm just like, you know, pre pandemic, I was definitely the youngest person everywhere I worked, which was great because I'm like a sponge. I just want to hear all the things I'm like really eager to learn. But I do find that like now it's definitely much more of like a younger crowd, which isn't always bad, but it's, it's not always great. Um, I just want to say from the, from the bottom of my heart, fuck that unnamed person you just mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. It's like never, you know, if everyone like up until then, everyone's like, oh my God, you're so young. You're like mm. a baby bartender, baby yeah, gay. Yeah, you are, it was. actually. And I was just like, <laughs> That's because you are. Yeah, like I'm trying to hold on to that. Yeah. And then hearing that, I was like, oh shit, like am I already past that point where people are telling me I'm so young like I love that (laughs) because for me it wasn't like oh my god I'm I'm so young but it was I I saw it more as like oh I have so much time to like absorb and to learn and like I still have a long road ahead of me because this for me is a career and it's something I do want to pursue uh for a long time and I find that like the younger people I'm talking about are more of like the transient bartenders that are doing this as kind of like um a fill-in gig they're either actors or they have a day job and they just want to make some cash on the weekend, which is great. I get yeah. it. Or they're in school but, or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's not it's not the same. Or they're 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 promising realtors. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly, a lot of them are. A lot of them are. It's so favorite. funny how that like throughout the entire time that I've been in this industry, there were always the job that people when they got tired of being in the service industry would they all flock to the same thing. It's like you know what's going to be great for a while. It was like I'm going to be a teacher, and they all went to teachers' college, and I'm like that seems like a bold move from <laughs> from bartending, like. Like I guess yeah. you're kind of dealing with babies no matter what, but, <laughs> but I know. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Too bad you can't throw the babies yeah. out of the class. Though. Yeah, the that there was, but then it, it took a hard right turn to realtors. That's the new. That's the new get out of the service industry job. I think it's also it's not just the service industry. I mean, I went to the university for food and nutrition for dietetics when I graduated. That was like my path, and even people from like that circle of my life are real estate agents like i don't know <laughs> you know everyone's like trying to look for an apartment they're like oh it's so high there's money here let's go after it kind of thing right. like, i don't want to work in a hospital in Sudbury anymore for you know 42k a year let's like yeah. sell some of this overpriced I know. I, I feel like I'm, I'm slowly getting talked into it myself <laughs> <laughs> the- yeah i know Okay, so let's talk about how you ended up in this industry at all. Like you, so you you say you've only been really doing it for four years, but you've done a lot already. So how, like, what what made you think that you wanted to do this? Did it happen by accident, like it did for a lot of us, or would, did you like make def- a decision? Yeah, no, it definitely didn't happen by accident. I'd say, like, when I was doing university, even in high school, I like I'm obsessed with food. I love hospitality. I love cocktails. I love just like the whole world of it yeah i uh i wasn't sure if i want to be back of house front of house cook bartender or what so you know me learning classic just basic person in the industry looking up to anthony bourdain as like my hero um i uh i just knew you had to kind of start from the bottom so my first job was actually as a dishwasher at a little mexican place that lasted 10 days (laughs) (laughs) it was a very quick and i was like okay, I'm not a back-of-house person. I need to, like, be interacting with people. I, you know, as much as I love... Because I, I originally wanted to be, like, a line cook or a chef or whatever. And then quickly I was like, 
no, this isn't for me. Like I respect it and holy fuck, it's a lot of work. But then I kind of, it was like a rude, it was a rude awakening, just how, you know, from being on one side of the, the bar or a restaurant and seeing like what actually it takes, you know, for, for us to, to dine and drink the way that we do. So from then I was like, okay, so I have to either be like an essay or a bar back, which is what I did. So then I got a job at an O&B Oliver and Bonaccini group restaurant as an essay. And that was great because like, was I interacting with people? No, but I was, I was seeing kind of the way, like the um, assembly line of how things works in a restaurant, you know, back, it was like the good streamline between back of house and front of house. So that was a really great place to start. And also O&B is a really great corporation to work for because consistency is key for them. And they're all pretty much fine dining. And I worked in fine dining as an essay. So it was good to be trained like proper rather than just going right into like a fast bar kind of nightclub environment. Cause I find that where you start really is like stays with you. So I did essaying. And then after doing that, I was like, I really want to do bar work. And so I did kind of the equivalent of essay, which is bar back. And that was exactly, I'm sure you guys all know that was sweeping up vomits. That was collecting ice. That was stocking the bar. That was, you know, checking orders and all that. But it allowed me to not like prior to being so guest facing as a bartender, it kind of lets you be behind the scenes and work with your bartenders and like really kind of absorb. And you have that time because as I'm like busting all the tables or like cleaning up afterwards, you know, the bartenders would kind of like tell you what they're doing and show you around. And then I was just like hooked and I just knew like that was my scene. And also you know, nights is definitely a thing for me. Like I'm not a day job person. I mm-hmm. tried the nine to five thing, definitely not suited for my life. Um, and so then after bar backing, I was like, hey, I'm ready. Like, I want to, I want to do this and I'm here for it. And my manager at the time who kept promising me the role, she was leaving the bar I was at, which was Mrs. Robinson on college. And I was like, if you don't put me on bar before you go, like, I can't threaten you with anything because I'm a barback, but please just put me on bar before you go. And her last shift was on new on a new year's Eve. And she was like, show me what you got. And so it was new year's Eve. It was mental, obviously like classic, just debauchery. And I did it and I killed it and never looked back. And it was amazing. And then from then I just really like became kind of obsessed with it. Like I wanted to do, competitions and I wanted to really just like learn about spirits and everything that went into building a bar and how you build a back bar and how you build a cocktail menu and like what are people drinking in Toronto and how do we elevate that but how do we still keep it accessible and then from there I just started doing menus and like I said a couple comps although that's like another weird industry in itself um but yeah and then here I am I just kind of fell in love and also i I'm, i don't know if you if you saw from like my instagram but i am no I, we don't do research uh, for this shit <laughs> i'm just kidding yes <laughs> i saw your instagram like, an OP, <laughs> like very well respected bartender in the city who i'm so lucky to have because uh, a she's amazing but b um she's been like an amazing mentor to me and she, what's great about learning from like what i was talking about these og bartenders who started working in the early 2000s, such as uh, my girlfriend Sandy, is that you're kind of really learning from the bottom 
up. You're like, I think that a lot of new bartenders are trying to just create new things and do the next exciting stuff. Like, and put smoke in this and dry ice in that and make everything this weird kind of theatrical experience. And learning from Sandy really taught me to like appreciate the classics and the spirits on their own before building and creating. Like, I don't think anyone has really any place in creating something new when before learning classics, like where these all come from. These are classics for a reason. They're balanced. They have been tested and tried throughout, you know, the test of time and the world and all the changes that come with evolution. And so that's just been a huge luxury for me is also to be learning from her as well. So, well, yeah. and you're right, you're right about that too, because the, let's face it, there are no new ideas in cocktail and just like there's no new ideas in music or film. All you're doing is taking something yeah. that already existed that was dope and like trying to expand it and put your own little twist on it because you can't, there, there's just not a new fucking idea to come up with. There really at this point isn't so, but you can make new cocktails it's just based on her yeah. idea that existed before. Yeah, of course. And that's what she always taught me because when I was asked to do uh, like my first menu, it's it's hard to not just be super excited by like, oh, I want this to be like the color purple or I want this to, you know, which is all bullshit and should never be a template. And it's like, okay, like what classics do you like? Oh, a daiquiri. Yeah. Okay. So if you swap, you know, the simple for like a time syrup or if you, you know, that's already a different cocktail, but you're basing it off something that's already balanced. Mm -hmm. It's already delicious. And you're just changing little components. And from there, you already have these perfect templates set out for you, which is, we're just so lucky that we have all these recipes and we have all the history that, you know, like informs us on how to make them our own, but then also still appreciate where they come from. Imagine these fuckers who had to come up with the ideas in the first place. (laughs) exactly like it's crazy and like to appreciate that right like these people didn't have smoke guns and dry ice and like all this shit that we have now like it's you know we have to kind of appreciate that and still it was showcase these classics it was literally a caveman smashing two rocks against each other and then it turned into a manhattan that's that was the first that was the first cocktail i I read i read that in a book i think it was the death and co book (laughs) (laughs) definitely yeah definitely in there uh i was gonna jump back a little bit and talk about your your bar back experience there were were you already comfortable with like sort of the guest interaction side of it or like did you find that also watching the bartenders work in that respect you learned some shit as well or was it more learning just like the physical i was to an extent like i mean guest interaction has so many variances and like as a woman especially you know it can go sour really quick and so learning how to navigate through like the bad ones is I'm still learning and like I'm still trying to figure out a way that's like you know I'm glad I will say there's there's something great about this time you know I know technology sucks and like Instagram's taking over the world but like what's great is that now in our industry the customer is not always right and so we oh, are. They, they, they never were, Abby. They never were. <laughs> I know they never were, but you know there was so much shit that we had to take. You know, before yeah, my time. For sure, like, just, that was what we were taught. I'm very yeah. lucky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very lucky to be bartending at a time where certain things that are said or done aren't acceptable. Because speaking of Sandy, who was bartending back in like 2000, uh, things are very different. And so 
the, the negative ones are still kind of tricky to navigate because you still want to be delivering good service, but you also have your own personal boundaries set. And then in terms of just regular day-to-day ones that aren't, aren't bad, it came pretty easy. Like I'm somewhat of an extrovert, or so I like to think. And so I, I could talk to, to a wall if I need to. So whether someone wants to chat or they just want to have their, their beer just by themselves, I totally get that. I'm usually that person. But yeah, that came relatively easy. It's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> but sure. You know, yeah. it so I, it's, it a, it's, it's a job 70% bullshit. <laughs> right. <laughs> In all honesty. Take it till um, you make it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was when you mentioned that, like, the different world that is competition bartending. We've had obviously a number of people on here who've done a lot of competition bartending and they all have their own unique experience. So I'm interested in, like, just sort of your experience with with doing comp bartending and also like what you think it taught you what do you think it's useful etc so cocktail comps are were very useful in covid because it was kind of the only outlet that someone like me had like i wasn't doing cocktail kits or any any of those things that people were doing so like comps for me were the only way that i felt i could stay relevant as a bartender in the city and I liked it because it made you dial into a spirit, whichever one you were showcasing and like really just get into it and speaking to the reps and looking at the history of this thing and then trying to build off of all the aspects that make this product that you're showcasing. But it is a lot of like, like bullshit. Like for me, as much as I'm, I can engage with a guest and as extroverted as I am, I fucking hate being filmed. I don't like being judged, like very That's obviously. It's really so too bad because like, we're filming you and judging you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I can't really know. I'm like this is fun because this is a conversation. But when you have to like, yeah. you know, tell a story and like talk about your inspiration, I'm like, no, no, this shit just works well together. So like, here you fucking go, and it tastes delicious. So right. like, you're welcome. I don't. You know, and you can talk to the guests specifically about that, right? Like, you can just be like, look, this is what I did. This is why these ingredients go so well together. And you can see their personal enjoyment of what you've done. It's a little bit different than, yeah. It's very different. And, like, you know, when I had to put my fucking phone on a tripod and, like, get dressed in, like, a shirt and, I thought you were getting dressed in front of the tripod. I'm like, this is a different competition than I knew about, but okay. thankfully no. Maybe for last answer, but not for me. We'll talk um, to her about that one. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, so it was fine, but I just felt like the actual, like, talent, if you will, got kind of lost because I'd be so nervous and I would just be so angry. I'm like, well, why do I have to fucking perform for these people? It's like, I'm just making you a drink. Right. I'm not an actor. Like, I'm not meant for this. And then, you know, it, it, it kind of, the stress of it all made, like, took away the, like, fun experimental part of it for me a lot. So that was a bit rough. And I also find that, I don't know, it's it's a lot of, like, show. And it's not as much, like, this is just a good drink that I made for your products. And I really yeah. like this because X, Y, and Z. You had to, like, do all this fluff around it, which... I just felt wasn't always authentic or necessary. So how many did you do until you do it? How many did you do until you figure this out, or do you figure it out right away and just keep doing? Oh, it? like the first, the first one. Even just when you see like who certain brands choose to even participate in the comp or who gets in, I'm just kind of like, I, I see you. Like I know that you're choosing X because they work at Y, and oh right, know this person, and it's kind of you know 
there are there is a lot of talent out there that I think gets lost because they might not work at the coolest places or they might not know the right people. I'm very lucky that I have good connections, um, but I'm not blind to the fact that a lot of this is chosen because of specific reasons that aren't necessarily like someone's skill set or experience. Right. I was actually at a competition one time and one of my bartenders was competing in it. So I went to support him and I was standing behind the judges and they didn't know I was standing there and they were talking and like I wasn't eavesdropping on purpose. Well, maybe a little bit. I don't know. But (laughs) but I I literally heard them say, "Okay, so so and so is winning this. Right. Like and the competition hadn't started yet. And I'm like, what the yeah. fuck are we doing here? Like, I know it's not a big deal. Yeah. Like, it's not, we're not curing cancer or shit like that. But if you're making a competition, like, then shouldn't it be fair? <laughs> well, not only, okay. So this story, I have to just, I have a little story. So one of the comps I did, the way you won was to ha- have the most votes for your drink. Okay. So people, it was, no one tried it. Okay, you have to do the fucking video. What? You have to like, get dressed up and do the performance. No one from, like, they drop off the bottle and then they're like, okay, when you make it, we're going to set up a poll. So send it out or like post it. And then whoever gets the most votes wins. And I'm like, like, done because I know tons of people and I'm sure everyone else does too. But it became this like, I was like, second tier. To, me and this other chick were like head to head. And then I just had to send it to like my extended family. And like, they were probably sending it to their extended family all over the world. And we're just like, click, click, click. And like, I'm sitting in bed being like, and then you're just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, yeah. I drink rocks, but this is yeah, insane. Yeah. Like, but no, but, that's, no, but no one's trying it. it. Yeah. Yeah. No one's trying it. No one knows if it's good. No one even knows if the booze is fucking in there, you know? Right. And so it's, that to me was just, I hated it. And like, you know, as like millennial as I am, I actually just hate like attention on like Instagram and, and Facebook and stuff. I just get super uncomfortable by it all. And to have to be like, post me like, please vote for my drink was just kind of super weird, especially when they weren't tasting it. So it was things like that where I was like, what is this actually something I want to do? Do I, I mean, I did it, <laughs> but, but you know, I probably wouldn't do that again at this point. Okay. So that's an interesting thing too, but like, so part of, this like especially with cocktail competitions is like and especially in that situation a lot of it's presentation and the pretty picture you took about it on instagram how like how do you find the balance between presentation and actually making a good drink like obviously i like i'm not going to speak for you but i'm sure that your answer is going to be making a good tasting drink is more way more important but how how much value how much value to put on the presentation not like i mean i I don't like it's obviously it is deliberate it, 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 like a rucksack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, it would happen naturally. You naturally yeah. wouldn't serve like some brown, sure. muddy, yeah. like tr- like opaque drink, right? So <laughs> as long as it looks like a drink, it works. I think you know having a million garnishes is fucking insane and absolutely oh, unnecessary, and messy. You just and, you're the first yeah. person who's agreed with me on this show. You're now my new favorite guest. Really? <laughs> oh, and like to be fair, that's that's like that's like the mentorship I've gotten from from Sandy uh, throughout the years. But it's just like right, and then when you look at it, it's like why am I adding a flower and some like line of powder to like the edge of you know? Oh, like it's it's gross. Even a margarita, I'm like, don't fucking salt that shit. Like, I don't want my mouth full of this rocky, weird salt as I'm drinking my drink. Like, I think that's insane. Oh, God forbid, there's some like big rose and like some smoke and all. And I just I want it in like my mouth. Like, I don't. How want do I get around the garnish? Yeah, like 
I have to, I have to like shop, like go through all of this shit uh, to like sip the drink. Like, no, I don't want to work for this. Like, I'm paying probably sixteen bucks plus for this fucking thing. Like, I don't want to. And because of the fucking garnishes, because of the fucking garnishes, every time it's, it's like those old haunted houses where you had to like push aside those like streams or whatever, and it was all black in there just to get to like the end yeah. of the maze. And yeah, I just want to drink. Like, the I thing. can get down with like cutting my my citrus peel to like be pretty on the glass. I mean, after I've already used some like shitty peel that I've I've peeled to like express the oils that I actually need. But yeah, if, yeah. if I'm taking a picture, sure, like all I can get on board with that. But unless it's actually contributing to the experience of the drink, like get out of here. Like there's just no <laughs> no need for that shit. Oh all. my god, you just made me so happy. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah. I've, I've been the consensus. Do people love garnishes? Like, Oh my God, you're the first person who has agreed with me. I'm not joking in the, in the history of what? 89 episodes. Yep. <laughs> and, and also wow. my wife and also my wife. <laughs> so, right? Like, yeah. I mean, once you just kind of get into, like, if you just have to ask the question, why is it here? Do I have to take it off? Chances are you should probably not put it on. That's the, that's your caption for this episode, <laughs> right there. It's like, if, yeah, as soon as you can't figure out whether you are supposed to eat it or get rid of it, then it's already too much. Oh, work. God forbid it's an edible. <laughs> Even with food, that's the same thing. You should never have something you can't eat or drink on the thing you're serving. Never. Uh, uh, I don't care how stunning it is. This we is also had um, we had a stretch at my bar where we um, put like hair scrunchies on the cocktail. And uh, as a gar- as a quote unquote garnish, and then someone flushed oh, it down. Useful. Well, yeah, except for this, then someone flushed it down our toilet, backed up our whole fucking sewage system, and I was mopping up shit water in my bar for a straight Serves day. Serves you right for putting yeah. a fucking <laughs> exactly. I know. No, right. I agree. I agree. You're almost <laughs> encouraging people to get too drunk and have to throw up and have to like tie their hair up in the scrunchie. Otherwise, you know, like I don't, I don't know. Wait, that seems useful. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the first thing I can mind. Yeah. Oh, you're putting a hair tight? Ooh, yeah. like, I'm going to get fucking drunk. Like, someone's going to yak, and we need to Hey, they're going to do it anyway. The other night, we had someone at the bar throw up at a table and just calmly get up mm. and walk to a different table and sit down and order another drink. <laughs> I didn't want to sit at that well, same table anymore. a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Puke in a glass, and then the their friend at the table outside bar back went to go clear it, and I'm watching, and the other chick drinks. No. My, my bar back looks at me, and he's just like, did you, like, see? That? And I was like, I saw it. Like, go, like, get rid of it. Like, like, I was like, yeah, don't yeah, bust this shit. Like, I'm not done with it. Oh, nuts. People are just ruthless out there. Like, that's another thing where I'm just happy I work in this industry, so I know how to not that I wouldn't cause like I'm an, I'm a normal person in most respects, but you know, just, I don't, that, that's insane. That kind yeah. of shit. Like puking at a bar, puking, pu- I don't even puke. I've actually puked from alcohol. I think like one time and I was so what? nervous that, um, I puked in a bar before. I've done it twice. <laughs> I was once I was, when I grew up in Kingston and fair and I was only, 16. I'd Say no suck. more. You grew up in Kingston. I'd be puking at bars too. <laughs> exactly. You puke at bars just to avoid the incarceration. <laughs> but I, yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, got so wasted. Uh, it's not going to do a bar. You can still smoke at bars there. I smoked a cigar improperly. So uh, next thing I knew, I was downstairs and then they kicked me out. And the other time I puked in a bar was in New York and 
I don't know what happened. We had gone out for some Indian food and then we went to like this dive bar after and did a shot and it just went down the wrong way. And I couldn't even make it anywhere. Yeah. I literally like bent over, puked underneath the bar and just kept drinking. Like I was that asshole. <laughs> The puking thing is real and it amazes me every time. I'm like, I don't know for me, I'm, I'm actually not a huge drinker myself. And I think that's also why I love bartending. Cause you're kind of like part of the party without like being right. part of the party and you're getting paid to be there. But I, for me, if I find that I'm like getting too drunk, which is always a side effect, right? it's never like a goal. I'm like, Oh, I really like this. Let's get another one. And then all of a sudden you're like, what the fuck like yeah. the second i'm kind of out of my head like i'm out of there like i'm into bed and like some I, I just watch how the night progresses for people and it's just like boom and they're on like that whole other level which is honestly like sometimes impressive i'm not not the puking but just that they can like <laughs> you know be out in public and still like be in that kind of energy is just crazy well, cocaine helps a lot for people, I think. Oh, it sure does. <laughs> cocaine does help a lot. We actually have like a new opening duty at one of my spots where it's like we have to unroll like our tail bills because there's just, <laughs> it's insane. And I'm just like, is this happening? Is this real? And you like, you'll you, like check in another spot of, of cash and it's like, all right, yep, they're all, they're uh, all yeah. rolled up. Which, I bet that you know, even to coke, I'm like, like, fent- like, is no one, am I just like an old soul, but is no one fucking terrified of fentanyl? Like, it's so real and people, like, yeah. I don't know, is it worth it? Like, I will crush six Red Bulls before I, like, go down that route. And, you know, I, I, I get it. Like, I, I have friends that say, like, oh, you'll do a bump and it'll just sober you right up. And I'm just like, why don't, but, like, maybe if you have to sober up, like, it's time, it's time to go. Like, yeah, it might be time I don't to know. Go. It's just, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't but know, it's, it's uh, but I have had that, like, I once had someone hand me, like, a, a tightly rolled 20 that was so tight, it was like a toothpick, it was rolled so tight, and I'm like, this is literally how you're paying for your drink right now. <laughs> I didn't no, mean to roll I, it that I tight. Always address, I always address it. It's like, if you are if you have the balls to, like, give me this $100 right. bill that's, like, so tight, but, no, not even, a five. You're yeah. gonna hand me this five, five right now. It's like so tightly rolled. Get the fuck out of here! Like, of yeah. course I'm gonna like be in front of you. I know what you're doing. I get you. Like, I'm gonna call you up for it. And it's usually some Every fucking time. guy wearing a backwards baseball cap, bro, who's like almost like he's he's oh, proud right. of he's proud of it, right? Like he's trying to like. And if you know, it's not the I do blow. Cap, it's like one of those yeah. weird buns, yeah. And it's just like the buns. <laughs> Yeah, all the buns. I'm like, I see you, bro. Like, I I know, I know about you. Yeah. Amazing. So you did all the comps, and we 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 rolled through that. I get it. What when you got back to work and you decided to just like go back into working to like all these different places right away? Are all the bars a little bit different, or is like they're is all that... very different, okay. and that's why I have them all. Like I and that's and you know, as much as I can like complain about working all the time, that's also what I love about it is that every day is different and each place, you know, I wear different things depending on the place. You kind of go in with a different mentality. You prepare differently, like honestly, from what I eat before to like how I get ready for work is all very different depending on where I'm going, which is how you eat. Explain that. Explain that. Like, yeah. Yeah. So like tell me the, the difference in meals between these places. Yeah. So on like, you know, we started this thing at uh, Mahjong on Saturday night, which is, is actually amazing. Even, you know, we're all a little bit, we're all very different, but we started doing like this supper club thing where 
anyone that's available before shift, we go up for like a really nice dinner. So like kind of near nearby the bar. So that's awesome. We all go at five fifteen before work, and we just get together. We have a bottle of wine. We like get like oysters and steak, and like we just really treat ourselves. And so going into work, your your stomach's full. You're happy. You've kind of already socialized a bit, and you're just like ready to kind of go. And so that's actually been a very positive thing that Do, we started. It doesn't make like, you I, I love it. Doesn't make it too. No, it actually work. doesn't because you're you're all together, right? So you're all like, and then you all walk in at the same time. So it's just like, all right, like let's rally and, and go. We all like crack a Red Bull. Is it the cocaine? Abby, is it the cocaine? for me, cocaine for others. But um, yeah, we'll get into after partying in a whole other podcast. But yeah. so that's been really great. And then at this other, uh, and then at another place I work at, there there's no food. It's just cocktails and wine. So me and my coworker, like every single shift, we order sushi at like twelve. What, you know, at that place, we have live music until 1030. So it kind of dies down until later night. So we'll like, get a bunch of sushi. And we just like eat it together in five minutes in a little coat closet. <laughs> so like a little bit of a situation. And then um, at other places, it just, you know, I like the dime where I was today, or like my Monday to Wednesday gig, they have to. So then usually you just like are given a time, and you can like have a meal, but it's just, it's how you need to like prepare depending on what you do. And like, unfortunately I'm not working anywhere where there is staff meal, which I think is really insane. I think everywhere you work should have mm. a staff meal, but yeah, you kind of just food is very important to me. So, well, and especially staff- coming from lockdown where like I would wake up and like turn day and be like, what do you want for dinner tonight? Like the short ribs sound good. And she'd be like, it's fucking 7am, but yeah. And then my whole day would be kind of around building this meal and then going back to work where like no one gives a shit if you <laughs> ate an hour ago or 10 days ago, like you're just there to work. Right. So I always make a point to like prepare in some, some way or another. Staff meal seems like, like a, another monster. Staff meal seems like a thing of the past. And it's like this beautiful, like old thing about the industry where it's like, you know, like you all come in, you do your prep for the night and then the, yeah. and the cooks have been in there for a lot longer time period, but like they, they prepare stuff with like the leftovers from the night before or whatever it is and lay it out for you and everybody eats together. Like that's an awesome thing. Like, it's the best. And that's what I had at OMB and like as an essay and you're, you're eating with like your other essay staff and you're also eating with the managers and the bartenders and whatever. And like the, the back of house creates this like, beautiful meal and you're just kind of pre-shift you're having your meeting it's kind of like with the with the new like separate club where we go for dinner where it's like it's just a moment before the madness you're dealing with all the bullshit where you can come together and be like have a good shift you're well fed you're taken care of and then it makes everyone work really hard because you appreciate it and i think it's a very valuable thing and as a team, like, just, uh, like, yeah, like yeah, what, exactly. what, what a way to build staff rapport, right? Which is something else I think has fallen by the wayside because everybody's just on their fucking phone all the time. Everybody and everybody's yeah. like got their own group of friends and they just come into work to do their job and get the fuck out of there. And like there, I mean, yeah. there's some there's some negative side effects as well. But like get slight, like just touching on what you were saying earlier, like that late night partying situation is also a valuable bonding experience for staff. Like. It's not. It's. it's yeah. I don't. I, I don't appreciate it as much now that I'm on the ownership sh- side. But like, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like yeah. The post shift three a.m. like beer is something. Again, it's it's like the pre. It's like the staff meal. It's like oh, we can all vent and talk about table seven just being a piece of shit or like the girl that yeah. drinks a yeah. puke. Like 
and we can all kind of come together. And <laughs> the and, girl and who drank the puke. <laughs> yeah, that was that's still a topic of discussion. Sure, um, it's going to be one of mine though. <laughs> I hope so. It's a good one. But you feel very entitled to that after dealing yeah. with what we deal with on a nightly basis. You're like, okay, well, like it's it's my turn. And some people take that, you know to like the beer and then they go home and some people will be there until 10 a.m. doing right. just that. So mm-hmm. it just kind of depends on the person. Yeah, it has a, like, I, th- I feel like, well, and, and we can talk about this as, like or not, but like part of the cocaine influence on this is it can turn it into like sort of this negative bitch fest that happens, like because the more you drink, the more cocaine you're doing. And then it's like the later you're there, all of a sudden things like take like just go to a dark spot right and that and now it's not yeah and even yeah like and the thing with cocaine and and drugs and even booze uh, is that like it gets to a point where you're having these really intense and like sandy and i talk about this all the time and like why we like hate blow but it's just that you have really intimate intense conversations with people that you would never otherwise be having right so it creates this false sense of connection and like love and what an intimacy with potentially a stranger like everyone jokes about like oh my god the con- like i hope all the girls i spilled my heart out to in the bathroom are all doing okay and it's like right you never see them again and yet these strangers know every intimate detail about your life that right. you didn't, haven't even shared with your best friends because it puts you in this state of vulnerability and then you just wake up being like oh fuck like what I, like all this anxiety and so like there's been a couple of times where yeah you'll have a heart to heart on the floor of some disgusting bathroom while someone's puking next to you. And then you're like, wait, why did I just tell this random person this when I haven't even shared that with my closest friends? And like, it, yeah. it's just this really false sense of connection that is actually kind of gross. That's like, at the time it's beautiful. But like, but even with your not. coworkers, because like, I, I've been pretty honest about this on this show about like my previous, like cocaine enjoyment and like now that I'm done with it. But it's like one thing I realized in retrospect was like all it did was keep you there a little bit longer, drinking a little bit more and things would in, yeah. invariably turn dark. Like where it was like, you're yeah. not, it's not like the thing where you're bitching about uh puke drinker, like, which is kind of funny. And then yeah. to, to the point where you're just like bitching about everything that has to do with the bar and the restaurant yeah. and the industry. Right. Like it just turns to a dark And then you spot. go in with that, with that you go, feeling. With I'm, that, yeah. I'm just yeah. grabbing a drink. Yeah. And, and you're but, also, um, and you're also hung over the next day and you hadn't slept cause you like been, were partying until 10 in the morning. And then you come in with that negative vibe. Like you're carrying it with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it stays like I, I, before, after our supper club, we had like a, a beer at another bar across the street and we saw these guys and uh, a friend of mine knew them and they were like, yeah, we haven't slept since like Wednesday and this is Saturday. And I was just like, and they look like <laughs> shit and they're still going. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of impressed, but also yikes, like you're going to wake up probably next week feeling some kind of way. There's a reason why no cosmetic company has ever made a commercial about people who party till 10 in the morning. <laughs> they all oh, look like they shit. Should, because they, that's actually, a, <laughs> yeah. a really good, actually, that's actually if you do it the opposite yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> me, being, uh, me being motivated by money, I'm seeing a little hole where I can, you know, yeah, maybe yeah, you, make a you got, you got a new idea there. See, that's what this show's all about, Abby. Well, I'm just trying to make you yeah. extra money. <laughs> I know. I'm. I I am Jewish, so I can say this, but like that's the most true stereotype is like we fucking love money <laughs> like let's fucking go like you know i, I went yeah it's, it's not so 
Well, we, thanks so much for coming on, Abby. This was a super fun conversation. We really appreciate it. And good luck with all your work. Stay off the blow. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey, I, I will. Thanks for giving us so much time today. We really appreciate it. Thank that was a guys. super fun conversation. You're awesome. And uh, next time I'm in Toronto, I'm going to come to one of the 15 bars you work at and uh, have a drink with you. <laughs> please do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, please thanks. do. We'd love to have you. All right. Thanks, Abby. Thanks, thanks very much.